The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch crushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Last year, my preseason World Series pick was the Brewers over the White Sox. Let's see if we can do a little bit better. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today on Wednesday, March 29th. Frank Stample joined by everybody. Scott White, Chris Towers, and Chris the Welsh. Today on the show, we have our annual season preview, bold predictions, award picks, and of course, our World Series winner. Before we get started, make sure to like this video and leave a comment and subscribe if you haven't already. If you're listening on the audio side, we really would appreciate a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Thank you very much. Reminder that you can always go back and listen to all of our shows on demand. Last week, we did a huge prospect preview with the Welsh. Just yesterday, we did our 16-team head-to-head categories listener league draft. Uh, which was a ton of fun. If you want to sit through like three hours worth of drafting, feel free to check it out. Uh, But gentlemen, we are one day away from opening day. How's everybody feeling? How you guys doing? Tired. Tired. Yeah. For us, opening day is both a finish line and a starting line. Yeah. It's like whenever the NFL season starts, it's the same thing for me where, where people are like, how are you feeling? Like things are about to get crazy. It's like, Things have been crazy. <laughs> if anything, like the month before the season starts for us yeah. is the craziest part. Once the season starts, you settle into a routine. You've got, you know, we know we got to do this on Monday. We got to do this like that. That's that's somewhat easier. But this is, yeah, but this is the hard part of the year. I think probably what Frank was asking was more how we feel about the start of baseball season. <laughs> oh, is that it? I was I'll save it for my therapist. Yeah. Later. <laughs> I'm, I'm stoked. I'm absolutely excited that because like 
you guys have been doing this just like me. This has been six months, six months of the, I mean, the season didn't even end and we were already pushing to this six months culmination. Now this is season part two. It's like, we just experienced our season and mm-hmm. now we're going into like winter league baseball where it's just a whole nother season. That's going to go down. I'm just excited to see what it looks like. I'm excited to get yelled at. I'm going to get yelled. As soon as Lars Newbar goes over 18, I'm going to get oh, screamed yeah. at by everybody. <laughs> Jeffrey Springs gives up five runs. My mentions are going to go wild uh and it'll be dead silent when corbin carroll has a two home or two stolen base game something like that but i'm very excited for all the results yes yeah byron buxton's gonna hit, get hit by a pitch and my mentions on twitter oh. are going to be a disaster <laughs> you and me both you and me both <laughs> yeah i feel like every time anytime any uh buxton does anything we're uh cc at c tower cbs that's uh that's pretty much what's going down guys let's get into some bold predictions here i look back at some of our uh, last year's bold predictions Chris Towers and I, we, we were quite bad. <laughs> Scott hit on two of them, which, look, if you hit on one, I think you're doing a pretty good job. But Scott yeah. went two for four. They, these, I, are, I try, these are I try to go over the moon. Yeah, like I, I, like I try to go, I, I try to emphasize the bold aspect of bold predictions and that it's, it's kind of two degrees beyond what's believable, you know? So, yeah, to, that I hit on two, I think, is frankly very lucky. Very lucky. <laughs> yeah. Those two that you hit on, Jake McGee doesn't get more than five saves. He had three last year, and both Dalton Varsho and Alejandro Kirk finish as top five catchers in fantasy that happened in head-to-head points leagues. Kirk was sixth in Roto, but you know what, Scott? We'll, we'll give it I to you anyway. <laughs> we'll give you credit for that one. Uh, why don't you get us started here, Scott? Your bold prediction number one. All right. Let me pull out my old document. <laughs> the old trusty doc. Let's the old it, trusty doc. All right. All right, so we'll kind of ease into it. Corey Seager wins the AL batting title. The entire batting title of the entire AL will go to Corey Seager, who, you know, I, I, I feel like whenever there's some pushback to our Corey Seager enthusiasm, which has been a multi-year thing, so I get people are just tired of us raving about Corey Seager. Um, but there's a focus on how low his batting average was last year in the 240s. Worth reminding everyone, Corey Seager entered last season as a career 297 hitter. He was as consistent of a 300 hitter as you'll find. So last year was a big exception. And basically all analysis that everyone's done on the subject suggests that Corey Seager was the player most victimized by infield shifts last year. And the shifts are going away. So, you know, kind of a double-pronged attack here on uh, on Corey Seager's bad batting average last year. Just you got regression to the mean, regression to norms, and you have the shifts going away and him being standing to be a big beneficiary from that. And, oh, by the way, last year's batting title winner is in the NL now, Luis Rice. So um, less competition. I think it wouldn't be surprising if Corey Seager hit between... 315, 320, and it's a good chance that'd be enough to get it done. Yep. As we mentioned all offseason last year, Corey Seager only hit 245. His XBA was 283, according to StatCast. And if spring training is an indication of uh, what we might see from Corey Seager this season without the shift, he went 22 for 55. That is a 400 batting average (laughs) with four home runs, an OPS up over 1,000. I think he's ready for the season to start. The ADP over the past week at the NFBC for Corey Seager, 227 drafts, by the way, 
That's not his ADP. I wish it was. <laughs> 44.4. Yeah. So if you wanted Corey Seager, I hope you're one of those early drafters because there is no discount anymore. You got to pay full yeah, I price. Think I, I think I got him once Seager. as much as I rave yeah. about him. I just I just did my last draft today. 13 teams. I think Seager's on one of them. I was about to say, did you get him? Did you get him in today's? No. No, did not. Our shortstop is Carlos Correa. I did a double tap in one league where I took I took uh, Seager recently, and then uh, I waited a little bit later in a discount on Wander Franco on both of those, um, just playing that game. I want to point out also, Chris Towers, I believe, has an article coming out on Bold Predictions, yes. and I have, I believe my stuff will be in there as well, I have a tight end MLB prediction to the Texas Rangers that will align very well with Mr. Scott mm. White, because I am a believer in the Texas Rangers this year being much better and... Um, I think one of my predictions in that whole baseball one ties very, very well to Corey Seager on it. All righty, a nice little sneak peek there. And yes, the article will be out Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, CBSSports.com slash fantasy slash baseball towers. Let's go over to you. Bold prediction number one. Yeah, I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. I like to get yelled at. And so I'm going to go with a bold prediction that will make everybody mad. One of Jordan Walker or Anthony Volpe will be sent back to the minors. Ah! That uh, look, I mean, you could also throw Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson in there. Come on, they've come also, on, come they've on, at least made it to the majors and held the more than held their own. We look, I'm as excited as about Jordan Walker and Anthony Volpe as anybody. I just did my last draft of the year. I drafted Jordan Walker for $14 in that league. Uh, it's a pretty good buy, I think. You know, no, don't not don't, if he's in the minors. Don't but. trip over yourselves to to congratulate me. Uh, <laughs> look, it's just it's overstating things to say that like there's a fifty percent chance of a top prospect being sent down. That that's probably not true if you look back at like the twenty twenty uh, or last year's top ten on Baseball Prospectus, which was just what I happened to be looking at. I think seven made the majors, and only Spencer Torkelson was sent down. You look at the previous year's top ten. Sixto Sanchez, Ian Anderson, Jared Kalanick, and C.J. Abrams. Now, they didn't all get sent down as rookies. You know, Ian Anderson didn't get sent down until like his second or third year. So, you know, that's a resounding success. But the point is, just to remind ourselves that in March, it's really, really easy to talk yourself into like, nothing bad's going to happen. Jordan Walker's going to be the best player in baseball. Anthony Volpe's going to steal 50 bases and hit 20 home runs and be the next Derek Jeter. And it, those are possible outcomes. And we have to talk about fantasy sports as in, in the context of ranges of outcomes and young players, rookie players are worth drafting because the high end of their range of outcomes can be incredibly, incredibly valuable and incredibly uh, lucrative based on the prices you pay. Like Jordan Walker, I paid $14 for him. That's a lot for a guy who has to this point in his career accumulated $0 worth of fantasy value. However, it's entirely possible he's a $25 player this year, and it looks just brilliant. But the error bars are really wide, and just like the high-end outcomes for rookies are really, really high and potentially very lucrative, the low-end outcomes are very, very low. These are guys who have never proven it. I mean, you know, Anthony Volpe and Jordan Walker effectively haven't proven it at AAA. You know, Anthony Volpe got there, but... He wasn't particularly good. He wasn't terrible, but it was like a 700 OPS. So it's just a reminder during a time when we all get very excited 
Spring is a time for optimism. April can be a time of uh, wet blankets and just putting it out there. Boo! We don't always know know where those wet blankets are going to be, though. Right? Sure. That's part of it. Um, And, you know, it it might be some pretty established players who don't come close to absolutely expectations, which certainly happened with numerous last year. Jose Barrios immediately comes to mind. Uh, I, on the subject of Anthony Volpe and Jordan Walker, I was, you know, I was preparing for this last draft of mine. It's, um, it's a main event team that Ooh. I share with somebody else, and I was looking at the main event uh, event draft uh, results, the ADP, since the Volpe announcement this week, and then he made the roster. Volpe's ADP is actually ahead of Jordan Walker's since that announcement in the main event leagues. He's going inside the top 100. Now, that wasn't the case in our draft. We actually took Jordan Walker with Anthony Volpe still on the board. Mostly because of the favorable eligibility. Walker is going to be eligible at third base and outfield soon enough, which are the two most difficult positions to fill, I feel like. But I kind of get it, because I've said before, I think Volpe, for for being a 21-year-old rookie, the floor feels pretty high because the plate discipline's so good and the steals total should be like when he gets on base, he's going to run a lot. I feel confident in that. So there's going to be that, that nice. I will regardless of what the batting average and the home run rate looks like. He should have a lot of steals for you. Shout out to podcast listener, Kevin price, who sent in a, a very informative email today calling out Scott white directly. That's right. I actually have Scott, that. The, I have, the email. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just read it. Scott was just the latest person I've heard say that Anthony Volpe was unlucky with his 272 BABIP in double A. But has anyone checked his batted ball data? He had a 56.9% fly ball rate and a 23.2% infield fly ball rate. Those numbers are off the charts high. Highest qualified fly ball rate in the majors was Kyle Schwarber at 51.1%. Like, and he had a 240 BABIP. He was lucky. Like this, this sounds like. What I said was Anthony Volpe got off to a really slow start at double A because it was especially cold. And then his batting average from this point forward was this. I I don't think I used the word unlucky. I think this is a guy, you know, who who just assumed that because it's something he's heard before. That's what he was kind of putting words in my mouth. I'd be very curious. Was that uh, information? I mean, because that's important. That's it's great information. But, you know, if you go back and look at Volpe, he hit 197 in April. He hit 207 in May and then June it picked back up. Like, what's the level of all of that infield fly coming from the first two months compared to the back half of the two months? And it, it may work in his favor and everything like that, but there's a lot of pick and choose out of all of this with um, Anthony Volpe. I think the big thing to focus on as well is just he was able to recover. This is a guy that always, you know, hit relatively good as far as batting average has gone in his minor leagues and uh, hit 294 in 2021, rookie year we don't really care about. But 249 was more of an outlier of who he was. And he was able to recover from hitting almost 200 in two months while hitting over 290 to 300 the rest of the way through and get his average back up and put up crazy counting stats. So I don't know. I think I feel like it's like a little picky when we're talking about Volpe. And I think that's the place that everybody's in right now. Everybody's defending and, and destroying these prospects and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like Volpe does have a better floor than Jordan Walker. And uh, I think I said it maybe last time I was here or somewhere else, but I actually think with both of these guys guaranteed, I prefer Anthony Volpe a little bit over Jordan Walker just off the maybe risk factor for the season. 
there's a lot to unpack here. I actually had that yeah. email for later on in the podcast, but it's totally fine. Uh, I like where your head was at, Chris, because I was going to bring it up as well. Uh, five emails in five minutes. Now we only have to do oh, four emails in five minutes. Good. We, <laughs> might, we might to get that we out. We might oh, yeah. even get three emails in five minutes done this time. But I, I thought it was a really good point that that listener brought up as well. And it's something I hadn't noticed, but high fly ball rates coupled with high infield fly ball rates typically lead to a very low BABIP. And it's not something that I've pointed out before with Volpe. So I'm happy to bring it up. And yeah, maybe it does lead to a, a lower floor for that batting average than we were expected at first for Anthony Volpe. Let's move into the Welsh's bold prediction number one. What you got? All right, I'm going to save my favorite one for last, and I have a couple, and I'm going to got to pair these down because uh, you'll see a few in the uh, Chris Towers article that's coming up. How about this one? I think you're going to like this one, Frank, and I won't you know go into crazy craziness here, but bold prediction is a negative as well, and maybe there'll be hate. Dylan Cease, Chicago White Sox pitcher, will be the third most valuable starting pitcher out of this rotation in fantasy. Lucas Giolito will overpass him and Lance Lynn will overpass him. We don't obviously care about like spring stats being the the totality of it all, but I think it's uh, enough to acknowledge the horrific spring he had, an over 70 RA, a 1.88 whip, and that kind of encompasses the problem. The floor that he provides are those big strikeout numbers. Mm-hmm. And I think the Chicago White Sox can be a good team this year. I don't necessarily think it's going to be at the expense of Dylan Cease. Like I see Dylan Cease like Cy Young numbers and I just kind of, I just don't get it. I think the, the walk numbers overall are alarming. I think the consistency is alarming. I think Lucas Giolito is going to come back to being the ace of this staff. And Frank, you know, you've talked about it. Lance Lynn is the guy. Lance Lynn is a guy that you want to put on. I think uh, Dylan Cease could be last in wins among these three. And I think from a fantasy value perspective, we're going to look back and we're just not going to enjoy the spot that we got Dylan Cease. So bold, however level it is, he is the third most valuable Chicago White Sox, uh, White Sox starting pitcher and for our fantasy teams. And you want some, you want some Go ahead. Chris synchronicity, some synchro Chrisity, Chris X Chris. Yeah, one of my three bold predictions in this piece, which will be on CBSSports.com on Wednesday morning. Dylan Cease finishes with an ERA over 4.0 is one of my bold predictions. That would be nearly two runs higher than what he did last season. I've talked about it a lot, but he went from being pretty bad in terms of quality contact allowed to being very, very good last season. And that is the type of jump from one year to the next that I just tend to be very skeptical of because pitchers... They have control over the quality of contact they allow. They have less control over that than hitters do. And it's very, very noisy. We typically need multiple seasons worth of data to know a pitcher's true skill level when it comes to quality of contact allowed. And then I also added this note at the bottom of it, which kind of overlaps with with what Chris said. I'll also note that Cease is one of those pitchers I just think less highly of every time I watch him pitch. It feels like he's constantly on the verge of a meltdown. This might just be an aesthetic criticism and my own bias leaking in, but it's there and it colors how I view him. I just like he's one of those guys that like you catch him in the wrong five pitch outing uh, or, you know, outcome. And it's just like you're like, how what is this guy doing? And so I I'll admit my own bias there. I just like. I don't think he's that good. And I, I struggle with that because I'm not really an eye test guy. And so like the numbers are what they are. I believe in them to a certain extent. 
Chris or Dylan Cease is one of those players that I'm I'm more skeptical of the numbers than than with most players. Yeah, and the numbers really uh, feed into his spot too. Like you want to like try to pair halves together. He was as dominant in the first half as the second half, but you know it just stares at you when you look at like 78 walks. Uh, mm-hmm. I think at a relatively high left on base percentage, and his inconsistencies don't feel like they're going to be able to be paired over an entire season. Even though he did it last year, is one that we could be wrong about. We could be totally wrong about this in the long term, but it's just not one I want the investment on especially with that volatile of a walkie pitcher if you will where i think lucas giolito and lance lynn are trending in the right direction but scott did you have something to add to the hate 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 oh i was just gonna say you know since you you know with the welsh joining the fray we're we're kind of the anti dylan c's podcast right i don't think any of us are in on him well Uh, then Get your shares in, everybody. Get your last-minute shares in for Dylan Cease. <laughs> I did get one share in a league, really shallow league, so you could take bigger risks. And, and also, strikeouts. It's a points league where strikeouts are worth a full point. So I thought that mitigated some of the risk there with Cease. But otherwise, yeah, pretty yeah. pretty consistently passed him over. Bold prediction number one for me, Derek Hall outperforms what Reese Hoskins did with the Phillies last season. So 246 batting average and 30 home runs. Derek Hall is better than that this year. Slugging will not be an issue for Derek Hall, uh, who posted a 17.4% barrel rate last year. That actually was higher than I believe Reese Hoskins has ever posted in his career. Much smaller sample size, of course. Uh, Among hitters with at least 50 batted balls, Hall's barrel rate ranks seventh ahead of Shohei Otani, Austin Riley, and O'Neill Cruz. So, I mean, we're talking about what we think to be some of the best sluggers in the game. Uh, the only downside here, of course, will be we expect Derek Hall to uh, to sit against left-handed pitching, but uh, I, don't, I don't really know who he's sitting for. It's not like the Phillies have all this depth now. They've lost a bunch of players to injury, so maybe he has to play, and you know maybe he you know gets a little I bit better. He's been bad against lefties in the minors. I get it, but I think yeah, when he plays, he's going to hit I a lot of home runs. He is one of those guys who would probably benefit from a fantasy perspective from not playing every day. Cause sure. it's sort of like Jesse Winker back when he was at his best against the reds and his, like his top line triple slash numbers were probably a little deceivingly awesome because he sat against lefties so much, but like, yeah, last year, I think this includes the majors and the minors, but he only had 12 plate appearances against lefties in the majors last year, seven strikeouts in them. Uh, 175 average, 242 OBP, 314 slug against lefties between the majors and minors for Derek Hall last year. That's uh, that's rough stuff. Awesome against righties, though. Kill, yeah. Crushed yeah. righties. I, I think it's mostly going to come down to whether the improvements he made this spring were legitimate. And, and you know, you, you can find a lot of, uh, oh, this guy changed this thing, this guy changed that thing. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, of course... When the the numbers back it up, it's it's a little more easy to see the glass half full. In Kevin Long's case, or Kevin Long, Kevin Long's the Phillies hitting coach. In Derek Hall's case, he worked with. The story is he worked with Kevin Long, the Phillies hitting coach, one of the more well known hitting coaches, to um, be more selective at the plate, wait for his pitch. Which, you know, is an important thing to do. Easier said than done. But considering how much the plate discipline has improved for Derek Hall this spring. Tiny sample, though it is. Spring training, though it is. There may be something there. The Phillies seemed pretty excited and quick to anoint him the starter once it was announced Reese Hoskins was out. When they could have gone and made a big offer for like Luke Voigt or somebody like that. Let's take our first break here. And when we get back, uh, we'll get into some news and more bold predictions here on Fantasy Baseball Today. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Saturday on CBS, the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship, a road to the Final Four, reaches its final destination. In Houston, coverage of the semifinal games begin at 3 Eastern with at the Final Four and the Final Four show, all leading up to tip-off at 6 when Florida Atlantic faces San Diego State, followed by Miami clashing with UConn, the NCAA Men's Final Four National Semifinals this Saturday on CBS. True story, I don't know anything about college basketball, but I used to love UConn. I took them to win our FBT bracket. <laughs> I currently rank 14th out of 285 people. I don't know. Anything else that I ch that chose probably has not come to fruition, but I still have UConn, so I feel pretty good about that. Uh, Chris, Let's go Owls. Hoo -hoo. Chris, you're also 14th, so I don't I don't know. I guess we just... I, I believe I have Alabama winning, so I'm not going to, to uh, win. But yeah, I'm I'm. I'm rooting for FAU because one, I went to FIU right. and people get us confused all the time. And like, maybe that'll benefit me in some way. Maybe I'll tell someone, Hey, yeah, I went to FIU and they'd be like, Oh, I want a bunch of money on them in the tournament. And I just won't say <laughs> anything. And maybe they'll buy me a drink or something. You know, Azard went to uh, the U, right? So he's probably, he, he is a UM guy. That's uh, he's on fire. Both right teams now. are somewhat local for the Fort Lauderdale based CBS sports crew. And, I believe Dave and and Adam both went to UM. Um, and we try not to hold that against them. <laughs> All right, let's get into some news and notes. Reese Hoskins is scheduled to undergo surgery on his left ACL this Thursday. We know that he is expected to miss the entire season. Andres Jimenez and the Guardians agreed on a seven-year, $106.5 million extension with a $23 million club option in 2023. Good for Jimenez, get your money. But I tell you what, the Guardians were never going to give Lindor the money that he got from the Mets. So uh, this is basically their alternative, and maybe it works out. Jimenez was awesome last year. I think he might have even had a higher war than Lindor. He did, yeah. He was really good. Like sixth in baseball in it war was, last year or something. It was, he had a higher war than Lindor had in any of his years with the Guardians. I love Jimenez this year so much. I don't know if you guys saw too, like essentially the spring stats, if you've gone over it, um, Jason Collette just put this out. They've about doubled stolen base attempts. And there's just something in my brain that Andres Jimenez is going to be the, one of the biggest beneficiaries of this and is going to be running wild. And just for any of those folks that are out there, 
150 to one for Andres Jimenez to uh, lead the league in stolen bases right now in some places. I just kind of can't help myself with that right now. To continue with a theme, though, if I may be a wet blanket, Uh Andres Jimenez did not attempt to steal. In the spring, he only played ten games. Yeah, saving them legs, saving size. them legs, yeah, baby, saving them legs. Don't you only get it. so many? I know, that you know in the Colts. He was also in the season. WBC. Just yeah. throwing that out there, WBC a lot. I know that we brought up Ahmed Rosario as one of those players as well because the sprint speed has always been super high. He just mm-hmm. doesn't run that much. So maybe uh, someone who benefits from those new rules as well. Hunter Brown is on track to be part of the Astros rotation to start the season. He recently battled some lower back tightness. Jerickson Profar resolved the visa issues and is on his way to join the Rockies right now as we speak. Both Tony Gonsolin and Daniel Hudson are eyeing late April returns to the Dodgers. Gonsolin dealing with a left ankle sprain. Hudson continues to rehab from ACL surgery that he had last June and could throw a bit of a curveball into that uh, Dodgers closer mix. We keep talking about Evan Phillips and potentially Brewstar Gratterall in that role. With Tristan McKenzie expected to miss time, it sounds like Hunter Gaddis will step into the Guardians rotation. His ERA last year in, no, in his minor league career, excuse me, 3.90, but comes with a lot of strikeouts. 338 strikeouts, over 251 and two-thirds innings pitched. That is Hunter Gaddis. Welsh, any chance that the Guardians accelerate someone like Gavin Williams or I think it's Tanner Bybee because that's what I learned while watching minor <laughs> league baseball videos, but... Everyone's been calling him Tanner Bibby. I think it's Tanner Bybee. Yeah, I'm 100%. It could be either one of them. Whatever you say, yes, is what I will agree with you on that. Uh, by the way, everyone's going to love Hunter Gaddis if you haven't like looked at him recently. He looks like a mountain man. He looks he, like a I wrestler. Saw, he looks like a wrestler. He, he's wild. <laughs> I was at the uh, Guardians game against the Royals right before the end of spring training, and he walked out, and I was like, who is this guy? I'm like, what is this? He's just a mountain man with the hair. He's awesome. Uh, I don't believe Gavin Williams is. I think he had a little bit of like a little bit of held back in the spring, just a tiny bit. But uh, Bybee Bibby, uh, whatever. I think Tanner is definitely a possibility. The year he put up last year is phenomenal. I think it's put him up at the front line of the rotation, especially with you know Espino, a complete afterthought right now. Gavin Williams is just not ready to be that guy. But I do believe Tanner uh, Bybee Bibby would be the next guy up and could be a guy if Gaddis does struggle early on. But if he does succeed, he's going to be like a little cult favorite by everybody with a big old locks. Bye-bye bye Bibby was a play that a um, musical that my high school did i think bye bye bibby bye bye bibby tanner yeah okay i'm with it scott some nicknames in there (laughs) hunter gaddis himself though i I think is worth keeping an eye on especially given the uh, guardians track record with bringing the best out of their pitching prospects those strikeout rates are very impressive and uh, this spring he had 17 strikeouts versus three walks in 13 innings so I'm, I'm not saying he needs to be added in any 12-team leagues. He did get drafted in the 15-team league I was in today, though. So somebody He gets get- a little flat, though. So in that game, uh, he gave up two first-inning homers in the game that I was at. He gave up one to MJ Melendez, a solo shot, and he gave up a monstrous one to Edward uh, Olivares. And that was kind of the starting lineup they had out there. And he just kind of gets flat as far as like his stuff goes. So we'll have to see. I don't know how long of a leash they're going to give him. Uh, he really got beat up in those first couple innings and that kind of took him out. So I'm a little bit worried about the stuff not playing up like we're kind of used to with some of the Guardians pitchers. But yeah, again, big strikeout numbers. So it's going to be interesting to see. 
There is no timetable for Adalberto Mondesi's return as he continues to rehab a torn ACL that he suffered last year. Johan Oviedo will be in the Pirates' starting rotation as JT Brubaker battles a forearm injury. Oviedo was solid last year, 3.21 ERA, 1.29 whip, 11.2% swinging strike rate. He made his final spring start on Tuesday. He had seven strikeouts with 16 swinging strikes on 70 pitches, and his slider was up 3.2 miles per hour compared to last year. Very deep league name, Johan Oviedo, maybe NL only, but someone to watch early on as well. Leody Tavares will begin the season on the IL. Any interest in Bubba Thompson, who had 67 steals between the minors and majors last year? They like Robbie Grossman. They got Robbie Grossman starting. I think Bubba's interesting, but Bubba hasn't really been hitting. They have they haven't treated him as a starter, by the way, on the backfields. He's kind of been isolated. Leody has kind of been as well. Um, I think he's going to be restricted. I, I think if you want to speculate, you can speculate. But that commitment like a week or so ago to Robbie Grossman, I don't know, really said a lot to me. So I'm just not I'm not locked in that. Uh, and I know, obviously, like he can still get a spot with Leody out. I'm just not locked in that they're going to do that because they also were playing Josh Smith. Um, they started this about a week ago. Josh Smith is an infielder, uh, but they were playing him in center field at one of the games that I was at. They had Cole Calhoun, Robbie Grossman and him and Josh Smith was in center field. They are experimenting with that. And don't be shocked if Josh Smith gets more work in center field than Bubba Thompson. Okay, I know Josh Smith was dealing with a, a thumb injury, but it looks like he was back on Monday, so should be healthy for the Rangers there. Stupid Yankees. They reassigned Willie Calhoun to the minor league camp. Come on, man. Like, guy had a great spring. Give him a chance. Not yet. Anyway. You, and, you and Willie. You and Willie Frank. I love him. I love him. Performances worth mentioning from the final day of spring training. Scott, I'm not just saying this to mess with you, I swear. But Charlie Morton allowed two more home runs, and he gave up four homers total this spring. It's 12 innings, so it's a small sample size, but that's coming off uh, allowing a career-high 28 homers last year, so thought it was worth mentioning. I would have liked that to be different in spring training, though I imagine at the stage of his career that he's at, um, it's really just about getting his work in. I don't know. Like I I thought I was super high on Charlie Morton relative to the consensus. I only ended up drafting him in one league, one of those 13 leagues, so I'm not even all that invested in him, strangely. Few players like that. Max Muncie. I, I I feel like nobody's higher on Max Muncie than I am. One league, mm-hmm. you know. I think it was Vinny, the, Vinny P. Two leagues. Vinny P. Baby. Uh, yeah. The head to head points listener league last week. Chris and I were chanting for you to draft Charlie Morton, and you still didn't do it. So <laughs> can't blame us. Uh, we were, and I had the chance. Yeah, the Memorial Magazine League. That's what you're talking about, right? Mm. Oh, was it that? That 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 happened. Yeah, yeah that, that auction like we did. Remember, I I was holding out for Joe Ryan, strangely, because I have Charlie Morton ranked <laughs> higher than Joe Ryan, and I ended uh, up getting Chris Bassett instead. I just kind of mismanaged <laughs> mismanaged it. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's done for. But we'll we'll know a lot more at the end of April than we do here at the end of March. Yeah, something to definitely watch early in the season with Charlie Morton. Freddie Peralta threw four and two-thirds shutout with five strikeouts. He averaged 95 miles per hour on his fastball. Last year, he was at 92.6, never higher than 93.6 in a season in his career. So also something I want to watch early, the fastball velocity from Freddie Peralta. Yeah, That's variant because he's always been a guy who's 
there's like the loudest car in the world goes past my apartment. <laughs> Uh, like a jet. I don't know if that's a rocket ship. About, are you near SpaceX right that, now? That, yeah, that was Freddie Peralta's ADP. Uh, yeah, Freddie Peralta's always had a really good fastball. You know, remember before the breakout, that was all he threw. Really, he, he was like a seventy percent fastball guy, and he he hit it really well, and he had really good whiff rates. So throwing it even harder is pretty interesting. Um, that's going to definitely be something to watch for sure. We were waiting for Reed Detmers to get into a ballpark with StatCast, and he mm. finally did. His fastball was up 2.8 miles per hour. His slider up 4.4 miles per hour compared to last season. So the reports were true about the velocity being way up, but he was bad. He was he was pretty bad in this one. Two and two-thirds, six hits, three runs, three walks, four strikeouts. Um, yeah, he struggled with control and, and command mightily in, well, in the, the parts that I was watching. Um, so we'll see. Maybe, you know, Maybe this increased velocity is something that throws his control off a little bit. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to watch I'm, that as well. I'm big on Detmers. He's kind of part of my stuff. You know, the dirty little secret out here, it's incredible. For whatever reason, Salt River Fields, of all the ballparks, is the only one with StatCast stuff. I, I don't know why the rest of the Cactus League has not implemented them. It's really frustrating mm-hmm. uh, for full stuff. But that's why you get a lot of skewed things if you look at Springs training stats as far as um, Salt River, because that's the place that you're going to get them. And that's what helps a guy like Detmers getting in there. It's so stupid by the way yeah he he did still what do you have three strikeout four strikeouts three walks so he ends the spring with 27 strikeouts to nine or to eight walks that's still pretty good in what eight you know 21 innings yeah i'm I'm not too concerned about a a bad outing you know the, the control was mostly there throughout the spring so i'm still very excited he's definitely one of my most drafted players. I made sure to get him in my last one uh, tonight. Uh, I think I got him for nine bucks. So Jeez. I think that's a good price. Love. Yeah. All right. Well, that is Reed Detmers, and we'll watch early in the season. Let's uh, run through a few more bold predictions before we get into our uh, season awards and all that fun stuff. Chris Towers, we'll start with you this time. Bold prediction number two. Uh, I've got two really fun ones. I'm going to go with... You know, you could have chose both of them and just avoided the uh, down-talking the prospects. Well, I'm going to have an opportunity to kind of talk (laughs) about one later. So I'll go with O'Neal Cruz finishes as the number one shortstop in fantasy. And look, it's if you've listened to this podcast for probably five minutes at any point this spring, you've heard us talk about what makes O'Neal Cruz such a special player. Granted, he might be more of a an intriguing collection of tools than an actual baseball player uh, right now. Had the hardest hit ball in the Stackhouse era last season. I believe had the highest velocity throw tracked by an infielder in the majors because Mason Wynn is out here throwing like 98 miles an hour from shortstop, which just 100. seems unfair to his first baseman. Um, and... O'Neill Cruz had the 12th highest average sprint speed in baseball last season, which is just to say that he's ridiculously tooled out and he is outrageously skilled. And if he comes even somewhat close to putting all of those tools together at the same time, he's just going to be a fantasy monster. We saw it in September last season. He got the strikeout rate down to like 28% and put up close to a 900 OPS and, and was on like a, 30 homer, 30 steel pace. I think he has that kind of upside. And frankly, I don't think 30 homers is his ceiling. I think 30 steals might be his ceiling just because like, that's a lot of steals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But 
30 homers is absolutely not his ceiling. 40 homers is probably not O'Neill Cruz's ceiling. Scott, let's uh, go right back to you. Bold prediction number two. Okay, so this one's bolder than the, the Corey Seager batting title one I gave. All right, you ready for this? Ready. Graham Ashcraft <laughs> leads <laughs> the Reds in <laughs> strikeouts. Oh, that's pretty spicy. That's pretty spicy, spicy hot take. That's a spicy one. Yep. Graham Ashcraft, more strikeouts than Hunter Green, more strikeouts than Nick Lodolo. A guy who seemed to have that latent potential just by looking at him throw that 100 mile per hour fastball that's really more of a cutter. Um, but, you know, didn't have a lot to go with it and didn't have put up particularly good numbers as a rookie. He comes in with a new slider grip, and the strikeouts just exploded this spring, 25 and 17 in the third innings compared to just two walks. And uh, it impressed those on the Reds beat enough that I, I mentioned this the other day. They were asking Joey Votto uh, toward the end of spring training who he feels like has the best future between Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and Graham Ashcraft. Like they were mentioning Ashcraft in the same breath as those other two. Uh, which I found interesting, just that that would be the talk among the Reds beat. And so, did you hear his answer? By the way, he he took a very political answer, just kind of talked about the merits of all the pitchers, and then said Alexis Diaz. It's, it was the best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. me and Eno were talking about that. It was such a great answer. He's like, "Well, so the best of those three would be Alexis Diaz." That was yeah, my yeah, yeah, yeah. I love fun. Joey. He's he's a good one. Um, but so is Graham Ashcraft, I think, and you know. As, as Chris was reiterating, these are obviously like two degrees beyond what we're really believing could happen. But Graham Ashcraft is a guy who I'm trying to make sure I get late in all my drafts if I'm still drafting. Or, uh, you know, I'm going the extra dollar on fab bidding to pick him up off the waiver. I just have a good feeling he's going to be the spring training when we look back on this season, oh, who 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 are some of the guys m- making noise in spring training who went on to have great years? Graham Ashcraft's going to be among them. And and I think Scott kind of referenced it, but like bold predictions, it's not the thing you think will happen, but it's like in the direction of the thing you think will happen, right? Yes. Like it's not like Scott doesn't actually think Graham Ashcraft is going to get more strikeouts than Nick Lodolo Hunter Green, but like I think he does. He's saying <laughs> he likes Graham Ashcraft, you know that yes. that kind of thing. Chris, I'm did saying you see, I wouldn't you, put money on it. Mm. But it's not the craziest thing I've ever heard of. I want everyone to note when Mr. Scott White gave that, not only did he give the bold prediction, he crossed his hands, got back in his chair and was like, "Mm -hmm." it's the most confident I've ever seen Scott White in anything of all time. I think you do believe this one. and I love it. Hey, they're bold for a reason. Scotty's in on Graham Ashcraft. Welsh. Bold prediction number two. All right. This is one of my favorite ones. And there's a little betting component to it as well. It's no secret that I love me some Corbin Carroll. Like right behind. And if you're watching the video, you can see that jersey back there. My bold prediction is Corbin Carroll leads baseball in stolen bases. He is the stolen base leader. This spring, he stole five and under 50 at bats. 
which is absurd. If you want to play a 600, if you wanted to play the spring game, by the way, uh, of 600 or bats, you're looking at 60 stolen bases that he's going to end up putting up. Obviously, he's the fastest man in baseball. And, uh, you know, the you could definitely have a question about, like, what the ultimate power is going to be with him. But this guy just gets on base. Uh, funny anecdotal thing. Uh, Enos Aceris and I were talking about uh, Corbin Carroll today, and we were likening how his his max EV had not hit 110. And, you know, he wasn't quite at that 110 marker, which could be a question of like his big major max power. Yet he has a 92 plus average exit velocity on the season, uh, or at least in spring training and what was uh, marked which really shows a consistency of how he is hit and he gets on base. And I know even if they have him at five, that's fine. I think he's going to hit at the top of the lineup. And then you want to pair it against the guys that are favored in the league. Ronald Acuna ran a whole bunch last year. I still don't think it's going to push 40 with him. It's a big bat. Um, Estory Ruiz would be number two in a lot of books. I've seen seven to one. I don't think Estory Ruiz is going to hit well enough to be able to do it while hitting in the back of the lineup. Yes, I do want to make one point there because I noticed something really interesting with Estory Ruiz in yesterday's game because they're playing. I think they played that one in Oakland or in one of the parks that has Stackhouse data. He did have a 109 mile per hour. Uh, he did exit velocity on a home run, which was way harder than any batted ball he hit last season. His max exit velo in the majors was 100.2 miles per hour. So that's, I I think your point makes sense. Breeze is going to be hitting at the bottom of a bad lineup. And I think there are real questions about the bat anyway, but you know, he might just be Jorge Mateo. I think that's probably the most likely outcome, but Mateo steals a lot of bases, but he didn't play enough to like, factor into that conversation that's and the, i wonder where I, I wonder where that'll go we uh, we also looked at that by the way as three in spring training and the data we could get average 83 miles uh, per hour <laughs> exit velocity that sounds right uh, compared to a 92 plus almost a 10 mile an hour difference on the average yeah. exit velocity between corbin carroll and Astoria reese so my point isn't to like tear everybody down but to say that the opportunity of the players that are up there i and adalberto mondesi is up there get out of here I think uh, Ronald Acuna looks like the best hitter with the best probability to do it, yet I just don't think he's going to need or want to steal at that clip where the Diamondbacks will. And Corbin Carroll has hit. He did it this spring. He put up absurd numbers. If I had it in front of me, he was like fourth in walks and OPS. He had 1,100 OPS. He had 17 hits, a 500 OBP. It's spring numbers. But my point is, is he gets on base, and if the power isn't even translating into home run power, he steals third base. He's not afraid to go from second, third. He did it in the Futures game last year on the first pitch. Funny enough, Shane Langeliers threw him out. My point is, fifth, uh, I think it's 15 to one right now. You can get Corbin Carroll to lead the league. That's going to be my bold prediction. He's going to do it on the base paths. That's also why he wins in El Rookie of the Year. You know, my, my only objection to this, not sure it's that bold. <clears throat> it might, it might not be that bold. Well, I did say he would lead the league in uh, stolen bases. Uh, I mean, I think he's going to steal a lot. But yeah, you might be right. It might not be as bold uh, as we really think when it all you know comes push comes to shove at the uh, midway point of the year. But I'm going not just leading. The, I said lead the diamond. I think I said it on here like three months ago. When everyone was, oh, Jake McCarthy, I said he's going to lead the Diamondbacks in stolen bases. And now I'm going down saying he will lead the league in stolen bases. But yeah, might not be bold enough. The final numbers for Corbin Carroll this spring, 17 for 46, 370 batting average, 508 on base percentage, 1138 OPS with five steals. Again, that is Corbin Carroll. I have something on him in, in just a little bit as well. Uh, bold prediction number two for me. I'm just going to quickly uh, 
mention this one. The Marlins produced three top 30 starting pitchers for fantasy this season. We know Sandy Alcantara, as long as he's healthy, that's the near lock. Jesus Lazardo, I've had him in breakouts 1.0 going back to January, so I think he can be a top 30 starting pitcher. Then we just need one of Trevor Rogers or Edward Cabrera, and given the upside, there is some downside, I get that. The upside of both of them. I think one of them could do that, and we get three top 30 Marlins starting pitchers in fantasy baseball this season. The bo- Johnny Cueto erasure. <laughs> hey, Johnny Cueto will be a top 30. Might actually be Yuri Perez erasure. Uh, Johnny Cueto, top 30 starting pitcher in NL East only leagues. A bonus bold prediction that I wanted to mention. Scott and I did not coordinate this. We did not coordinate anything, and it is uncanny how similar picks Scott and I have coming up. It's crazy. Spend too much time together. We really do. Our general baseball prediction was that multiple players would steal 50 bags this year. Uh, I actually said I think at least three players will do it. We haven't seen a single player steal 50 since 2017. I think it was D. Gordon and Billy Hamilton did it the same season. It was like 59 and 60, respectively, for those guys. I even gave you three names that I think are going to do it, and that was Trey Turner, Corbin Carroll, and Esteri Ruiz. So just putting it out there on the record. I'm not even joking. I almost put that in as one of the, I was good. I, and three was the number two. That's so weird. I yeah. promise you, I was going to go, ah, maybe I don't do Corbin Carroll and do blah, blah, blah. Everyone's going to be like, oh, well, Corbin Carroll. So I was going to say three guys steal 50 plus stolen bases. That is wild that we're all there, which guarantees no one will steal more than 35. <laughs> well, you know what that tells me? It's not bold enough. Ah, maybe. maybe not. Who goes 60? Can, can I throw a couple to a couple more at you just with no analysis? Just, you know, real quick. Yeah. Um, Blake Sable is a top 10 catcher in head-to-head points leaks. I like that one. I, I, I told you off air about my feelings on Blake Sable. I like it. And since I've, I've, I've hit on two uh, saves bold predictions the last two years, you know, okay. last year you mentioned the Jake McGee one, Frank. Yep. The year before I said Anthony Baskets, no more than two saves. And that's exactly what happened. At least two Mets, at least two Mets record more saves than David Robertson this year. Mm. All I right. like that they're always negative. I like that you have negative <laughs> say. That's the only way you're, you have to be negative on somebody that's, and you're going to nail it. Like from a game theory perspective, that's pretty smart though. Cause like, yeah. yeah, you just need one other guy to get saves on a team. Yeah. You it, know, like David Robertson could be awesome, but Adam Adovino gets the first chance and never let relinquishes it. Yeah. All of a sudden, Scott looks like a genius. Even and then they go Rob, trade David for Alexis Rob, Diaz. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, part of it, part of it is, I mean, that is kind of the point of the prediction, right? Is like there seems to be, judging from ADP data, this widespread presumption. Oh, David Robertson's guy. He was, you know, he spent a lot of last year as a closer, and um, and that was kind of how I felt about Jake McGee last year and Anthony Bass the year before. There just seemed to, to be too much assurance relative to reality for all of those relievers. I I think the same is true for David Robertson. I I don't think he's the best reliever in that bullpen, and I think there's a good chance he's not in the mix for saves for long, if at all. All right. Well, if you want to find the rest of our bold predictions, make sure to read Chris Towers' article, which will be on the site on Wednesday morning, cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. We'll take our final break and be back right after this. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
spring spring is here which means it's the perfect time to get away in the hyundai you've always wanted visit the hyundai getaway sales event where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning hyundai models like the tech-filled tucson and kona as well as the spacious palisade enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with america's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance but hurry in these deals won't last add more joy to your journey at the hyundai getaway sales event now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome back into fantasy baseball today let's wrap up with some season predictions and awards again Scott and I are so simpatico is wild. Just give me names for these or names of teams because obviously we don't have enough time to uh, get really deep down into this one. Uh, Worth mentioning, Chris Towers and I both hit on Justin Verlander last year. We predicted AL Cy Young Award winner, and that's exactly what happened. I chickened out. I was going to do the same thing. I ended up going Shane Beaver. Yeah, I can't take credit for it. Well, Scott, I did chicken out. It's almost year, a clean sweep. This year, it will be you and I who predict the AL Cy Young Award winner together. But first, okay. let's get into the National League Rookie of the Year. I mean, I, I think I have a pretty good idea where everyone's going. Uh, Welsh, you want to lead us off? Oh, Corbin, Corbin, Corbin I was just pointing Corbin Carroll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's bad podcasting, but I was just pointing Corbin Carroll. Uh, funny <laughs> enough, Jordan Walker did adjust some odds out there of Corbin Carroll's likelihood. You do have Kodai Senga, I believe, that it still is going to qualify in there. So there's a lot of competition and some maybe pitchers to be had to come up. But at the end of the day, um, I made the bet personally like a month ago. It is Corbin Carroll. Scott? It better be Corbin Carroll. I got a lot of... Ooh, I got a lot of... Uh, Bad situations in fantasy leagues. If it's not Corbin Carroll, who I ended up taking in round three of that main event league. <laughs> Interestingly, I got Nolan Arenado in round four. I just, given my saga with stud third baseman and never being able to get them in round late in round two, even, I just wanted to point out, I got Nolan Arenado in round four in that 15-team league tonight. All right, Towers, NL Rookie of the Year. Corbin Carroll. I, I think the biggest thing that he has on Jordan Walker I could see Jordan Walker being a better hitter, but defense does matter. 
And the Cardinals are already talking about Jordan Walker coming out of games late with defensive replacements, with Dylan Carlson being used that way. It's going to cost him some at, at bad opportunities. I think just Cormacow is going to be a much more valuable defender. So I, I think he's a, an easy pick here. All right, make it a clean sweep. Corbin Carroll, that means there is no chance he wins Rookie of the Year now. All <laughs> no, four of us chose him. No I wanted to mention a long shot, James Outman, who will be on the opening day roster for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Let's move over yep. to AL Rookie of the Year. And Scott, we'll start with you this time. I'm going Anthony Volpe. I, I picked, I mean, those two were the, the, the rookies. I said I feel best about the floor. It's same reason for both. Great plate discipline, and there should be no shortage of stolen bases. So there, there was a big defensive hurdle to clear if we're ranking Rookie of the Year winners by projected war. Obviously, Volpe playing shortstop. But, yeah, I'm going to go Volpe. Chris Towers, AL Rookie of the Year. I think Gunnar Henderson's the the obvious pick here. And, you know, part of it's just we've seen him at the major league level. He was very, very solid. He was at like a four-win pace. So I think he's a pretty safe bet. Chris Welsh. My head says Masataka Yoshida. My heart says Anthony Volpe. And I'm going to go with my heart. And I'm going to say it's Anthony Volpe. Uh, also, uh, a team that I think is going to make the playoffs. I do not think the Red Sox are going to make the playoffs. You're talking about war. You're talking positional stuff. You're talking Yankees. And I like the floor of Volpe. That uh, I think there's just an edge there. And I think he's going to take it down. And I made a bet on both of those guys, by the way, to hedge both bets. Yoshida and Volpe, I have my investment in. All right. Well, you know, look, Yankee fan, you know I got to go with Anthony Volpe, <laughs> right? So three out of four of us going with Volpe. You know what that means. Of all the dramatic things I've ever seen. All right, let's move over to, what do we have up next? NL Cy Young Award. Towers, you're up first. I'm going to go with Sandy Alcantara. Homer, Homer. Yeah, a little bit, but it's also just like, I don't know, man. He led in the baseball reference version of war last year by two wins over the next closest pitcher. It wasn't as close. I think Carlos Rodon actually led the NL in the Fangraphs war, which... I think the Fangraphs version of war is kind of silly for pitching, but that's a different discussion. Uh, I think we should judge things on the actual runs that were allowed, not some theoretical amount of runs that were allowed, but that's fine. Uh, I just, Alcantara is such a, an innings eater. He stands out so much in that regard that I think if he's anywhere close in ERA, I, I think he's going to be the Cy Young winner. Chris Welsh, NL Cy Young. I got to tell you, I think my worst things are Cy Young. So I'm just going to put it out there. Don't listen to me. Um, I think there's so many guys that eat into each other. I'm going with Verlander. I think him and Scherzer hurt each other. But at the end of the day, I just think Verlander is going to eat innings. He's going to have strikeouts in there. I think he's going to have the most wins. I think it's just going to make a lot of sense. And he's not the favorite on a lot of odds books. I'm going to go with Verlander. All right, Scott, reveal your NL Cy Young award. We have... We have the same pick for AL and NL. Of all the players mm. that we could choose, we somehow came up with the same player. So I don't, I don't of know. All how the this dramatic happened. things. I'm so going right. with the other of the aged Hall of Fame bound Mets duo, Max Scherzer. Who, no, not Kodai Senga. Not Kodai Senga. <laughs> Max Scherzer, I mean, he pitched at a Cy Young level each of the last two years 238 ERA, 0.88 whip, 11.3 K per nine the last two years. It's just he he missed a little bit of time with silly things, not major arm injuries or anything. So, um, you know, if if he just holds up, which I think he can, then 
he, he might be the odds on favorite at that point. Yeah, he's. I read an article. He has a stated goal to get back to 200 innings pitched. Obviously, I, I'm sure a lot of pitchers say that, but I think if uh, Scherzer gives 180 innings this year, he could very easily be you know the best pitcher in baseball and, and win the National League Cy Young. So uh, I chose him as well. Let's go over to the American League. Welsh, we'll start with you this time. Going with Jacob DeGrom. I think, uh, again, coming back to the Rangers stuff, I think if he puts up 160-plus innings, which I know is a wild thing to hear, I think he could lead baseball in strikeouts. And I also believe that the Rangers are going to make the playoffs, and I think he's going to be a big portion of that. And a healthy DeGrom is an easy Cy Young winner, but there's nothing easy with Jacob DeGrom and his injury history. So uh, I'm going to go with DeGrom, and I'm easily the only – I don't even need to see what the list looks like. I'm easily the only one taking DeGrom here on this. <laughs> Chris Towers. AL Cy Young. Yeah, I'm the guy who's going out on a limb and picking the number one pitcher in the American League in fantasy, at least, and that's Garrett Cole, who uh, I know the ERA tends to be a little inflated. He's never won a Cy Young, which is kind of wild to think about. Um, I think if he gets the ERA below three, which I think is very reasonable, given the, the innings and strikeouts that he's going to pile up on what I think is the best team in the American League, uh, he's he's going to win the Cy Young this year. Wow, this guy moves to New York, and now all of a sudden... Hey, I'm walking <laughs> here. He's a Yankees fan. He's choosing Garrett Cole. Hey. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, Scott. New York City, baby. Pizza. I, I do love some pizza. Uh, <laughs> chopped cheese. <laughs> I You know, I've never had chopped cheese in my life. I really it's need to like change It's just like a cheeseburger, that. right? It's just like a cheeseburger, like uh, in a sandwich bun. I don't know if that's exactly it. Uh, we'll, we'll have to talk about this. Scott, uh, as I referenced many times... Uh, this is a pretty long shot pick for both of us, but somehow we wound up on the same player. So, Yeah, I said I talked myself out of Justin Verlander for Cy Young last year. I came close to doing it for this pitcher, but I said, no, I'm going to go with my gut. Christian Javier is going to emerge as a Cy Young caliber pitcher. Inning for inning, he's already there. It's just a matter of sustaining it over a more of an ace workload is he is so good at limiting hits and then getting strikeouts on top. Like there might be no pitcher in baseball better equipped to throw a no hitter than Christian Javier. I think he gave up one hit or fewer in five different outings of at least five innings last season. He, th- there you go. he threw a combined no hitter against the Yankees last year and then left after the sixth inning in the world series with a no hitter mm-hmm. intact. So, yeah, yeah, I think that was including the playoffs, yeah. He found the consistency last year. He's going to add the volume this year, and he's going to take home the hardware. <laughs> Look, the Astros need him, too. They lost Verlander, so they really need Valdez to be an innings eater again. They need Javier to step up in that way, too. So I am, uh, I'm with you, Scott. <laughs> we are simpatico, as I mentioned. About 10 minutes ago, I said, you know, let's just give out names so that we could get through everything. No one's just giving out names. We're all giving out no. analysis. Names. We're going names. Give me Short AL enough. and NL MVP. Just your picks. Scott, we'll start with you this time. AL MVP, Shohei Otani. He should always be the favorite. Correct. NL MVP, Juan Soto. I think he's going to have a huge year for a contender. All right, Chris Towers, AL and NL MVP. Chris Towers, AL and NL MVP. Sorry, I had to scroll. Shohei Otani. He should be the favorite every year. Ronald Acuna. That's my my number one player. I think he's going 40-40. I think the Braves probably win the wild card. Sorry, Scott. They're still going to make the playoffs. Oh, wow. Uh, they, and, that uh, never happens, you know. 
Like any anytime the Braves and Mets are considered co-favorites, it's it's always the Braves who come out on top. You realize this, right? I I don't know how much history there is there. Okay. Does that also uh, does that I, forecast the future though? I don't, just because it happened I, in the past, I don't. I don't correlation know doesn't equal causation. I also have to point out how much of a front runner Chris is with his award picks. Yeah, and what what was what did you, who'd you go out free? on a limb for? Gunnar Henderson, <laughs> Sandy Alcantara. <laughs> The like, reigning I know, he won, I know he won last year, but nobody else said uh, him. Look at Scotty coming for you, Chris. Attack. <laughs> Attack. Names, names, wow. names, guys. Wow. Names. Right. I'm sorry I said the team that won 101 games last year is going to win their division. I'm so sorry. What a jerk. Well, AL and NL MVP. Otani, they get it right. Uh, I got to be honest with you. I, as a weird one, I wanted to put Otani as like a Cy Young in there as well. But I I'm thought about MVP. Yeah, That's I thought my okay. yeah my that was what it is. He wins both. I did it on another show, and then I'm like, ah, I'm doing crazy here. We can't do all of it. <laughs> um, my my uh, MVP on the NL, I'm going with Trey Turner. I think the Phillies are going to have a huge second half. I want to point out one dark horse. It's funny you guys mentioned it. Soto, Tatis. I actually think Machado is a dark horse for that team. I think they all eat into each other. That's why I didn't do it. Soto, the injury stuff worries me. Tatis missed time. I think Machado could actually be the MVP out of that. But I am going to go with Trey Turner. Big second half for the Phillies. Names. Names. All right. Names. All across the board, Shohei Otani, AL MVP. By the way, Welsh, they got it right last year in choosing Aaron they Judge. They did. They did. Mm-hmm. But it was a, it was like an all time great <laughs> offensive season. Yes. Right. What I what I wrote in in the piece is injuries or Judge being possessed by the spirits of Ruth and Gehrig are the only things standing in Otani's way. Yeah, he uh, Judge definitely beat uh, hitter Otani for sure, but uh, he's two people, so no. NL MVP. Welsh, you and I have the same pick there. Trey Turner, I mentioned I think he could steal 50 bases. I think he can hit 25 to 30 home runs. And uh, if he does that together and the Phillies make the playoffs, I, I think there's a, a good chance for Trey Turner to win the MVP. Uh, do we want to do all these division winners? All right. Yes, if you yes, got, yes. All right, well, then you got to power through. Come on, you know, we're, we're getting Names. up there. Scott, Names let's guys. go. Give me uh, give me your American League uh, division winners and wild card. No, let's go division by division. We all give a pick. Let's go. Let's that. That's the way to do it. All right, AL East, all right. go. Yankees. (laughs) That was terrible. Scott first. Blue Jays. (laughs) Yankees. Yankees. I have the Yankees as well. Uh, AL Central. White Sox. White Sox. I have the Guardians as well. Let's go clockwise, guys. (laughs) Uh, AL West. Mariners. Astros. Astros. Astros for me as well. And the wildcard teams. Astros, Angels, Yankees. Blue Jays, Rays, Angels. Seattle, Texas, Angels. And I have the Blue Jays, the Angels, and the Mariners. Three teams. Kiss, kiss of death for the Angels right there. All four of them. Chris was the only one who put the Rangers in, Chris Welsh. Uh, yeah. But I was tempted to have all three of the wild cards from the AL West. Totally. There are yeah. four teams there that are going to be, it's going to be a dogfight between everyone but the A's, the poor A's. Sneaky sneak. <laughs> all right, well, NL East. I wonder where Scott's going. Braves. Mets. Mets. I, too, have the Braves. That was the toughest division for me to figure out. Let's go to NL Central. Cardinals. Cardinals. Cards. Cardinals across the board. NL West. Sticking with the Dodgers. Padres. Padres for me. I am going with the Padres as well. I have a bet in on the under for the Dodgers regular season win total this year. NL wildcard teams. So I have Mets, Padres, Phillies. I'm curious to see if we all have the same six teams. I I think there's 
I've looked, but I, I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure we all do. Dodgers, Braves, Phillies. Bonus bold prediction. You need 95 wins to get into the, the playoffs in the National League this year, except for the NL Central. That yeah. sounds right. I, I have uh, Philly, Dodgers, Atlanta, so I think that uh, finishes it out. Yep, I've got the Dodgers, the Mets, and the Phillies as well. So all the six, um, all the same six teams, and I thought about getting the Brewers in there, but yeah, I just couldn't do it. They, they, could win, they could win the NL Central. <laughs> They're not getting a wild card. From Brewers, I think the Cardinals are a lot better than the Brewers, but I guess that depends on... Uh, Partly how you feel about Freddie Peralta, and I'm down on Freddie Peralta. All right, well, let's get to our World Series uh, picks here. Blank over blank. Again, I had Brewers over White Sox last year. You can't do worse than that. Welsh, we'll start with you. (laughs) Uh, I have got the Padres over the Yankees. Padres do it. Well, uh, Towers. Padres over Astros. And Scott, again, we did not coordinate this. We could have chosen any, any teams. We could have chosen any teams. And we somehow fell on the same two. Scott, reveal our World Series pick. Braves over. Boo. Mariners. That's right. That's exactly right. I was debating so hard. Like, the Braves and Mets are so close to me in terms of the division and then coming out of the National League. So I I was Mm -hmm. thinking, like, Mets or Braves over the Mariners. I think the Mariners could really surprise people this year. They have enough pitching to get it done. Uh, I think if Julio reaches the ceiling that we think he can get to, like, their offense will be amazing, too. They've got a good bullpen. I think the Mariners have everything set and and ready to go and and make a big push. Added to Oscar Hernandez from last year and still have a great bullpen. Let's do it. All right. Well, those are all of our bold predictions, our season predictions for Scott towers and the welsh i am frank thanks for watching and listening fantasy baseball today please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on apple or spotify we'll be back again tomorrow bye-bye If you want to win your fantasy football league, it starts right now. The offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition. We'll help you win your league on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, part of CBS Sports Podcast Network. Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found.